0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number two of the Elevate podcast, the podcast that's out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with my good friend, Christian Altuve. Christian is the founder of Zero Degree Story, a video production business that creates story-driven video campaigns to inspire your audience. After a few years of consulting, Christian decided to pursue his passion in film production to tell stories that actually make you feel something. His business is driven by the purpose of inspiring others to cultivate a healthy mindset, to control their well-being, and achieve more than what seems possible. In this episode, Christian and I talk about the importance of leading with vulnerability, the changing state of masculinity and our relationship to it, and living from intuition versus logic or mental stories. As always, thanks so much for being here. It truly means a lot that you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. Super excited to be here with my good friend, roommate, and colleague, Christian Altuve. Christian, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited
0: you're here. This has been a while in the making. Indeed. A while in the making. Christian was telling me, actually, before we started officially recording, that he hasn't been full-on interviewed Mm -hmm. before, which blew my mind because... Um, you heard a little bit about Christian in the intro and he'll talk a little bit more about it, but so much of his job and his role, the work that he does out in the world is telling people stories and interviewing people. So it made my heart very happy to have the opportunity to ask you more questions about you and, um, have you tell
1: your story? Yeah, no thing. It's, um, yeah, it's wild being on this, this side of the conversation. I mean, it's all, I think I, it all for me comes down to just having conversation with people, but I feel like the way I've been approaching it in my work is that I come with a lot of curiosity and questions and I try to explore the person and I haven't so often been in a position where I'm the one being explored. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like a little nerves, nervousness, but Mm -hmm. like, it's just, it's a different side of the, not on the camera, but metaphorically being on the other side of the camera. Um, So yeah, this will be a, this will be a wild ride right now.
0: Well, I'm excited to dive in. And uh, I gave folks a little bit of an overview of who you are and the work that you do, but I also wanted to ask you, what are you up to?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, what we're rounding out the end of 2019 right now, and it's been about almost two years uh, in this new career path that I decided to pursue. And really where I'm at is knowing I want to use storytelling to impact more lives and Um, kind of drawing a line in the sand, so to speak, in the terms of the kind of work that I want to create and the type of people I want to work with. And it's all been starting to revolve around wellness and the well-being of humans and the planet and companies and businesses and brands and ideas that all support and empower humans to be their best selves and heal the planet. And um, so I think that... Is coming to shape, and that's the kind of work that I want to start seeing um, from the business perspective. On the personal creative side, I've also begun my own docu series, YouTube series type esque thing, where uh, I pretty much want to use that as a platform to feature people in the community who I think are really doing really meaningful things. Um, whether it's the way they approach life or the the way they think about and see the world, I want to people who I think doing meaningful things and that other people deserve to know about. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to be exploring mm-hmm. in that that's aspect. Right. Yeah.
0: So the, like the, it sounds like the background piece of this, or really the backbone of the work that you do is telling stories, mm-hmm. whether that's a company story or an individual story, what have you. Um, where did that come from? Like, where did that interest actually start for you?
1: You know, that's a good question. And, you know, cause like memories of, even all through high school, I was, I was a very shy kid, and like speech class, I was I would sweat and be so nervous, and I, I would fumble through my communication, and I never felt like confident in that, and I never had I never had an interest in me. What I did know early on was that video was an ability for me to a way to communicate an emotional thing, uh, which I discovered um, when I put together a video for my high school swim team filming like, or our, my teammate, a, a comeback to win the state title. And that was such a thrilling moment to be there in the stands. But then even more so when I shared that at the swim team banquet and I got to witness and see all the emotional reactions that the families and my teammates all had watching that again, like reliving it. That was like a moment where I'm, I'm like, whoa, there's, I'm, a, I'm able to communicate an intangible thing. I don't have to say anything. You just feel it and i think that's always been the undercurrent the under the underlying current is that i i'm very much a heart in my heart space and i feel like a lot of my communication is through feeling and stories video and that media has been my outlet for that kind of expression mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. it's like um <clears throat> it's like capturing the essence of a moment or of a Situation or like a set of circumstances, it brings like a very human quality to it, even though you're not there living it. It actually gives you the opportunity to uh, experience it as if you were, right? In a sense,
1: yeah. And I think that's what even YouTube and vlogs like really hooked me in. When I started watching people vlog, I, w- I felt like I, I was getting to know who they were and like mm-hmm. I was a part of the experience that they were sharing. And that felt really immersive for me, and that was more interesting to me than most TV shows or movies was like, I'd rather watch like Austin Augie BMX through New York on YouTube mm. and like someone being able to connect with someone who I have hardly any personal interests related to them. Just the fact that I was experiencing getting to know this person through like a YouTube video was awesome. Like I didn't BMX bike. I'm not like this kind of a person, but like for some reason his films and videos like hooked me and i was like obsessed with that mm, yeah um
0: yeah it's interesting like thinking and we talked about this before but this idea of storytelling in like, at least when i started uh connecting with you about it my relationship to it as it were is like oh yeah storytelling okay it seems like this sort of it's uh, uh, no not a no-brainer but like a Um, on the surface, like a common sense thing where you're like, oh yeah, telling story, whatever it is. And the cool thing is it's so much more nuanced than that. Like there's so much depth and so many different facets and components. And so I'm curious, like how have you gone about
1: learning to become a better storyteller? Hmm. At first it was just trial and error, like starting my own YouTube, I started a YouTube challenge like 2017 or 2016 of just daily vlogs, and that was in the context of the minimalism. Well, after watching the minimalism documentary, I was like, wow, I was really moved by that. And they had a 21 day challenge, and I wanted to do that challenge with the added element of using that as my subject for my daily vlogs. And so at that point, I just recorded everything, and it was just a practice of a daily grind of recording, filming, editing. And that was easy because I could see each day as, like, a chronological beginning, middle, and ending. Like, I wake up to go into bed. Those are like, I had bookends already given for me. And I just had to pretty much play with how I told what happened between those bookends. And as I rinsed and repeated, I, like, began to develop my own style and, like, naturally started seeing... I mean, it was easy because it was chronological order. And so that's kind of how I, I played with that. But then... I wanted to begin elevating that aspect of it. Right. Because it, it's not so much about, I so began to see life as the canvas and the camera as just capturing what's on it. Right. Cause I hear like in that time, in that sense, I was like, Oh, like, let's go create, let's go create. You don't really create with the camera you create with life and the cameras that are to document what you create. Um, but then yeah, so that was kind of how I began in that aspect. Um, and then I got to a point where I feel like I realized I needed I wanted to keep exploring. And I don't remember exactly how it led me to it, but eventually one through mutual friends and a connection and this and that, I ended up finding about muse storytelling. And they spoke about story in such a like refreshing and intentional way that it like hooked me in like they had like a free training on storytelling and just kind of making it really simple to understand the elements of a strong story, the characters in it, how it's told, and like even science behind a way to construct and tell it. Right. Cause like I could go on and on and tell you my story in like two hours, but if I can condense that into like a two minute version, that's more impactful. And that's what Muse really has been teaching me is how do I communicate a huge story that may have a lot of weight and emotion in it, but like in a condensed and concise version that I can deliver in the most impactful way.
0: What's that look like for you?
1: For me? Yeah. I think that's kind of what comes down to when I interview and get to know people is we talk like the films and the videos themselves end up being like three to four minutes in length on average, but I've spent hours talking to this person and like listening and asking more questions. And as I learn it in the back of my mind, I'm like thinking about, Oh, what's like really interesting about this. And like, you know, I'll sleep on it the next day. I'll think about what are the things that I remember from that conversation. And then I'll just kind of use that to build like an outline as far as what I think is interesting about the story. And then just, condense it into the most mean, like the most impactful moments in a way that tries to tell it as honestly as possible, but also mm. as concisely too.
0: Mm. I'm fucking nervous as fuck right now. I don't know what's well, going on. Really? I'm like sitting over here sweating like Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, uh, I think part of it is I, I, hold you as somebody that produces really great quality work. And so there's, and it's totally, this is all mental, right? This is all in my head. This is all a story. But it's like this sense of like trying to get something or like trying to have something that's like worthwhile or feels organic or feels like whatever it is. So, there's a sense of like, okay, what am I asking next? It's like, da 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 mm. da da. And it just, it's so funny because it just, it puts me in my head. And then I'm going to actually hear like
1: just having a fucking conversation with you.
0: Which <laughs> yeah. is like the whole point of this whole thing. No, it, <laughs> it's just like having a conversation. It's
1: totally normal. And that <clears> happens <throat> to me when I'm talking with people. And like, I remember actually the first time I friend Nick Payne and I, we were going to meet up one day and just do like a podcast setting with mm. cameras just for the purpose of shooting the shit and trying to get our own content out of it. And I felt that same thing where mm. I like, froze because i was like and i wasn't listening mm-hmm. and i was like just trying to arm myself with the next response that's or the thought or i was like on the previous thing but then i'm like totally tuned out and mm-hmm. when it comes time to like acknowledge <laughs> what? what i heard i'm like uh what <laughs> <laughs> so it's totally normal and i think that's where i see a lot of similarities in the work you and i do is mm-hmm. being present with someone listening yeah. and like reflecting what you hear and being curious to understand more and like find the thing under the thing because whatever's being said at the surface there may be something else that's like underneath
0: totally well and it's like it's just people like it's just it's just connecting with people and you know it's been interesting this has been the thing that i've been working on probably more than anything else is like removing the performance of it like removing the performative aspect, like needing to get it right or like thinking that there's a right way to do it. And just like simply just being present with somebody. Um, and the more that I practice that and the more that I intentionally bring that into everything that I'm doing, coaching included, everything just gets so much better. Like my coaching is so much more powerful now because I can just get on the phone with somebody and I, and I don't need to know how it's going to go. I'm just going to be in conversation and be in relationship with that person and trust that at the end it it will create something of value for them because I trust that who I am as a coach and as a partner is enough to make a difference for somebody.
1: Totally. Totally. And you, what you just mentioned was my biggest lesson from the first course I took at Muse storytelling. And that was a, how to conduct a remarkable interview course. Mm. And that totally changed and flipped the perception of what I thought this field and path meant for me. And that was about Removing the performance out of an interview and making it feel like a conversation. Because like when someone feels like they're performing, then they're too worried about getting it right or wrong than they are just about being real. And that's just this armor and this mask, and that's not there. You won't produce an authentic and real and vulnerable conversation that way. Mm-hmm. Because if a person thinks that they have to perform and be a certain person, mm-hmm. they're not going to be themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to be this ideal version. Totally, and may, may protect. Them from sharing any true vulnerabilities. Totally, and so that really honed me in on like, oh, it's all about relationship with people. And this just reminds me of a couple of years ago. I went to the True Chicago Creative Conference, and Kate Schmiegel is the creative director of Bittersweet Creative, and they were sharing work that they do. They're like a nonprofit agency that tells the stories of nonprofits and you know, like really mission-based organizations, and um. I can't remember exactly the, the film that she was talking about, but there was one at uh, child slavery doesn't sound right, but it's, they do work kind of at that magnitude of like child slavery. And like, those are really um, sensitive topics, especially if you are telling the story of a victim of child slavery. And as she was sharing about her work, you know, it was really cool to hear that they spend a week or more with these people before any cameras start filming. And that. To me is so genuine because, you know, I think the, the, the way that filmmaking can be misused is when they go to just extract and take from people, they just go, give me these answers, give me this. And they just kind of take someone's story and like, like evangelize it. And just like, versus building a relationship with that person, like the experience needs to be created with whoever you're telling the story. And one thing I heard on another podcast, it's all about your subjects are collaborators, they're not just this lab experiment where you're just like, oh, what, what happened here? What happened there? But you're actually, let's get to know each other. And that involves me on the other end of the camera sharing my own story and getting vulnerable about myself and like relating to them in a way that makes them feel comfortable to share too.
0: It's, um, it's super similar to coaching in that I think when you first start as a coach, it's easy to look at, the relationship like some sort of power dynamic like as the coach you have the answer or there's a certain way that you should be and there are certain boundaries that you have to set as a coach which is true but at the same time it can also be really powerful to share your own vulnerability as a coach because then you can actually have an intimate, connected conversation between two real people, <laughs> versus you know both of you doing you know your song and dance for each other, um, <clears throat> which is super interesting. One of the other things too that um, I wanted to talk about was I really appreciate how intentional you are about sharing yourself online and being super open and authentic and vulnerable. And uh, I think the piece that comes up for me. Is looking at like what's driving that or like what's what do you feel is the motivation behind doing that
1: it's a good question i've been uh exploring that that myself like why i just feel this urge it's almost like an unspoken urge that i have to do this and i had this the one moment that i keep going back to which kind of like was the bursting of that pressure cooker that was building up inside of me for a while and that was like in college and my senior year where I just woke I think you know in college I was exploring so much about myself like and I pretty much did a lot of things and I started to begin realizing that I was doing a lot of things and I don't know I guess it sent back to the relationship of my parents in the sense that growing up in their household they knew most of, most of what I was up to, you know, there's some things that I kept hidden from them. But in college, I felt like that gap expanded. And I was like doing so many things and evolving in so many ways. And I felt like I wasn't, you know, updating my parents about everything. And um, I felt like there was a more of a distant relationship. And I found it easier to relate with friends who was going through it with me than it did my parents. But then it woke up one moment in senior year. I just woke up one day and this flood of emotions just like, Poured out of me like uncontrollably. Like it was one of the most profound cries I've ever had. And it's like a memorable day where I just like nothing was there to block it. It just all flowed out. And a result of that was writing a long letter in the first address to my family, telling them about everything that I felt like I was hiding myself and that like hiding myself from the people that I love the most. That was my realization. And so I just kind of came clean with everything. And, but then as I started writing it, it just started stacking upon it and it turned into this broadcast of a message that ended up going to like my family and like CC'd like 15 other (laughs) people. I sent it and, and uh, it just felt like the release I needed just to let go of all those demons and like some friends were like yo are you okay what's going on and others people were like yo dude thanks for sharing and my family was like concerned and like a little upset that i included friends in the in this matters <laughs> Sorry, and that was <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> but yeah that was um that just kind of came out of me i don't know that's how i explain my motivation It just felt like a soul driven urge um to just present myself in that way
0: that's cool. It's. I think the piece, too, that I appreciate about that is the actual acting on it. Like, there's the urge to do it, and the feeling like you're called to do it. And at the same time, the thing that I know to be true, especially in that sort of sense is a lot of times it's coupled with a lot of fear. Like what's going to happen if I spill myself like this, right? If I share vulnerably and openly and authentically with all of these people in a, in a way where you almost feel like you're walking around naked, like everyone can just see all your stuff, you know? Um, like there's the, the difference between feeling that and wanting to do that, feeling the fear and then actually doing it and like stepping forward and, just going through with it. So like, what was like, what did you take away from that experience?
1: My takeaway was that that's how I want to lead my life is. And actually, yeah, I think I wrote an art. I wrote that story and it was like leading with vulnerability At that time, I was very much, you know, soaking up a lot of Brene Brown, and even just my other mentors. One of my mentors, Corey Blakely, from an internship at Humana, he's like my Black Jesus, bless his soul. I miss him, but he always he we talked a lot about this, and he shared something: disclosure breeds disclosure. Mm. And so, to me, I think people naturally don't disclose, and I want people to disclose. So if that's what I want from other people, then I'm going to lead. First, I'm, I'm just gonna take that first step.
0: It's, uh, that's really profound. I really love that. It's, um, yeah. Like vulnerability begets vulnerability, disclosure begets disclosure and defensiveness begets defensiveness. <laughs> like, yes. You know, you look at, um, the, so I, it, uh, yeah, I told you about this a little bit. I went through the landmark forum mm-hmm. a month and a half ago, what have you. And a big piece of it is it's an invitation, a really powerful invitation to be vulnerable with the people that you care most about in your life. Because what happens is we end up developing patterns. We get into these, uh, behavioral patterns with people that a lot of times are rooted in fear and comfort and non-disclosure. And the way to actually interrupt that and break up those patterns is to do the thing that you don't want to do, which is be vulnerable and disclose and be open and be totally you know, transparent and honest. And so it's incredible how leading with vulnerability then creates a clearing for other people to say, Oh cool. I can lay my sword down. Like I can weigh my, I can yes. lay my weapons yeah. down and then I, yeah. I can also be vulnerable
1: with you, Yeah, which is
0: what people want. That's, you know, more than anything else right. that
1: people really want. Yeah. But we're like conditioned in this society where we have to have this armor we have to like be protecting this persona of, you know, now this is kind of leading into this segue of like what it means to be a man and like the masculinity in this society and like, I don't think I've ever been so much of a macho man myself. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to think out loud about who I was as a man growing up. I and mean, I feel like I was a natural crier for my whole life, maybe.
0: I just Well it's so interesting that like even in sharing that piece of it, like it almost sounds like you share it as though that's not normal or like that's not the you know, that's not what men should be or, like, what men are supposed to be. Like, it's just interesting that, like, that's the thing that you bring as, like, the crying piece of it or the emotional piece of it, which I think just speaks so much to how masculinity is typically portrayed uh, and how it's so often actually talked about when, you know, when you look at the this concept of, like, the divine masculine, like, what actually is masculine energy and, and what does it mean to be a, you know, fully expressed man emotion is a piece of it vulnerability is a piece
1: of it it's like the courage and the strength and the bravery and then also the vulnerability piece of that totally yeah and i love that you brought up divine masculine because masculinity is not to a specific gender like the masculine and feminine exists inside every gender no matter how you identify Um, but it's just yeah it's i view it as like an energy more so than my gender
0: How, for you, how has your relationship to yourself as a man changed over
1: time? That's a good question. Whoa. You know, I think it's been a, you know, growing up, I think I played a lot of sports. And so I always identified as an athlete, uh, team captain like leader type roles and especially water polo and i think yeah i loved being in that role of like being the leader of a team and like the one that people look up to and like uh which was awesome and you know i think i think i protected that for a while and then a lot of experiences since college well you know how has it changed? That's a really good question. And when I, I'm just like processing out loud, but like, um, there's like, Hmm, I don't know. Is there more context to what, how I can answer that?
0: Yeah. So it sounded like when you shared originally, there was a, there was a concept of masculinity or manhood that you had when you were much younger. And it sounds like that has since shifted. And the way that you relate to yourself now as a man or your own masculinity is a bit different mm. so another way to look at it might also just be how do you
1: currently relate to yourself mm-hmm. as a man mm-hmm. so I think what 's changed is what I made wrong or right you know mm. I think my mm. I've, the way I am as a man hasn 't changed, but the way I thought of it as wrong or right is what 's changed so i 've always been a very sensitive, emotional man, and at first, I think I thought that I was. A wrongness to that but then ever since you know discovering communities such as ecstatic dance and just more like consciously minded people that talk about masculinity as like uh, an energy and more so of like you know let's work through these emotional traumas that we have inside our bodies that our bodies hold on to and like we can be sensitive to it I started seeing it being okay to express that side and it's like oh this isn't like there isn't a wrongness this is just This is normal and I am safe to express this because we're all feeling it. And there's no, it just adds a suck of energy to try to protect that versus just letting it release. And it's,
0: you know, you think about the, like what's to be gained by repressing that or not allowing that piece of yourself to show up fully. And I don't know, I'm asserting, but... I'm, the assertion is that it's there's something along the lines of like uh, a toughness or like a boldness that comes about if you're, if you're suppressing that piece of yourself like the more sensitive piece and it's so interesting because i look at myself too how the expression of the emotion is the thing that actually leads to resiliency and strength and courage like that's actually where the courage is and where totally. the strength is and where you know that masculine energy is mm-hmm. is in just being with everything and expressing everything without the wrongness or without the judgments or without the whatever it is. Yes. Um, and, you know, I even think about, you know, my own uh, relationship to my own masculinity and how that's changed a lot. And I think the thing that I know to be true about myself is that I've always been a very affectionate person. Um, love, like, love languages, physical touch. <laughs> By far, like I'm literally just Same. like just I just want to hug everybody. So I've always been very openly affectionate, and I and I know that when I was much younger, you know, I talked to my parents, and I was just super affectionate with with everybody, like this open display of you know love and mm-hmm. um, compassion awesome. and whatever. And I and I noticed I don't know exactly what did it. I have some ideas around what the exact event was, but there was something that happened, and then that pretty much just got turned off, and then it was very guarded, what very happened? introverted. So I think what happened is uh. I was in probably fifth or sixth grade and I, it was elementary school and we were outside. And I think one of the kids that I was friends with, I think I was just like hugging him, like, just like, like basically holding on to him. And somebody said something, like someone said something to me. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of like, that's weird or like, you shouldn't be doing that or whatever it was. And I, and I, And I remember being like, oh, I'm not allowed to do this. Mm. Like, I'm not allowed to be like openly affectionate Mm. with the people that I care about. Um, And so, you know, it played into how I related to other people in my relationships throughout middle school and high school and college and, you know, up until recently. So it's been something that I am now more fully understanding is a really important piece of who I am at the core is I just love people. Mm -hmm. I just love people. And I want people to know how much I love them and it's been this letting down the guard and letting down the gates so that that sort of thing can just be
1: more freely shared totally yeah that's something i've appreciated about having you as a roommate is there's that that love like we always say like i love you to each Mm -hmm. other and Mm -hmm. hugging Mm -hmm. and there's just that that affection Mm -hmm. that can be shared within males yep and it's brotherly love it's all love i feel really lucky to
0: have um a lot of really awesome role models too. Like I think that that's actually a piece of the whole masculinity conversation is not having enough role models. Typically, mm-hmm. absent dads or just dads that don't <laughs> know what's going on. So I feel really lucky now, especially the work that I do, to be surrounded by people by people who are who I want to be as men. Like my coach,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think I've talked about him, Bob Conlon, OG. He nicest, biggest heart ever, but the dude's like covered in tattoo sleeves and plays in like a heavy metal band. It's ridiculous. So ridiculous. Um, but I was like, that's, you know, that's the kind of man that I want to be. Like, that's the, you know, that's the kind of adult that I want to be. Um, is that really awesome, beautiful mixture between the, you know, the, uh, authenticity Mm -hmm. and the strength and the courage Mm -hmm. and the boldness and, but then also the heart and the Mm -hmm. vulnerability. Um, Yeah, I'd be curious too. I don't know exactly what my question is around this, but um, like your experience with male role models or mentors, like have you found folks that you really feel like you connect with in terms of who they are as men or do you feel like that's something that's been
1: lacking? Yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of mentors of the moment. Mm. Um, Nothing that's like a prolonged relationship, but like for example, Corey Blakey, I mentioned him. He was a mentor during my internship at Humana, where we were able to just talk about more spirituality type conversations and and like just about purpose and meaning. And he was a great role model. Um, and then recently in Chicago, it's been the Bodhi community, the Bodhi men's group. Well, it started as Bodhi men's group. Now it's just an unaffiliated men's group. But being almost with elders in the community that where we would just honor each other and just share about what's going on in our lives. And and that was being in a room of a lot, much elderly people who have children that are maybe almost my age and just hearing about the way that they share about their family dilemmas, their own personal dilemmas as a man. And like, we're just all there to honor each other. That's like a super awesome space. And then more recently has been uh, Marty and Megan Badia and then Kyle Henry as well. And their little Amory triangle of how their journey of, you know, Megan and Marty opening up their marriage after like 14 years. And then like just totally redefining the paradigm that we grew up in as far as monogamy in a relationship. And so they, those, those have been a lot of like recently influencing models and like people that I've been like in close proximity to in the last couple of years here in the city.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, it sounds like, um, a piece of it is just going out and finding resources <laughs> literally just going out and finding the groups that already exist. And, yeah. um, it sounds like, you know, you were also fortunate to find some folks who are pushing the, uh, boundaries or pushing yeah. the frontier. Totally. You know, in terms of relationships,
1: yeah. it's available. It's mm-hmm.
0: all available. Um, so this idea of, uh, how you relate to yourself as a man and also your own relationship with your masculinity. Like how have you seen that play out inside of relationships?
1: I feel sorry. I think I'm just feeling guards come up because Mm. of recent personal breakup that I'm still processing Mm. and understanding in myself. So I'm feeling some guards come up, but I think in, well, I'll, I'll try to put two lenses on it, like a business lens and a personal lens on it. Like on the business lens, I relate to myself as, well, hmm. it's a tough question and I think I'm overthinking it, Hmm. but like, I guess in personal in personal relationships, it's like knowing, having confidence and knowing what I want. I think that's what maybe I think, and more so than knowing what I want, but communicating it. And that's the, I think the tricky part is asking for what I want. And I think as a, I have a hard time as a masculine asking for my own needs. That's a challenge for me. And, bo- and that comes up in both business and personal. So that's definitely tough. And then also being like, that whole leader, the role of a leader again is kind of something that I experienced a lot of in high school teams and like sports. And and now being in a, that role and a new aspect, I think it's, it's another challenge. It's like a new, it's a new challenging, but it just comes down to, I think confidence and certainty and like in needing to care and put other, think consider of other people too. But I don't know, I'm a big people pleaser. I, and I have a ch- hard time with asking for my needs. That's how I relate to myself as a masculine right now.
0: <gasps> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're speaking and over here like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Cause it's super, I've had a very, very similar experience Um in terms of being on loudspeaker about mm-hmm. what I want and what I think I'm worthy of or what I think I deserve, what have you both from a, even like a business results perspective, like you know being in hiring conversations with people, going out and talking to companies about how I can partner with them right. and support them and all that kind of stuff, being really bold in in my asks there has been difficult yeah. and something that I'm working on same thing in relationships <clears throat> and this idea of w- what am i what do I deserve quote unquote inside of a relationship, and that's been the thing that I've struggled with for a really long time is not feeling like I really deserve that much or like I'm not worthy of that or I'm not worthy of this person or whatever it is. And so it's actually been really fun because this year, especially I've been doing a lot of work around masculinity and around my own masculinity and being able to lean more fully into that and practicing that inside of relationships. And it's so cool because it's so, you know, you can talk about it theoretically, but when you put it into practice, there's this sense of I don't even know the word for it. Div- like divinity is not the right word for it, but like there's this sense of you're practicing something that has been around for literally eternity. Like it's, it's like there's this really primal energy in sense of connectedness that comes from leaning more fully into, you know, both masculine and feminine energy. And it's something that's outside of the realm of, theory and logic and there's something that's just profoundly human and exciting about that
1: yeah and i've been connecting a lot of that to creative energy as well because at a high level i see that there's all these all these primal instincts that we have that stem from the roots of our ancestors those are at a point in time when I feel like humans acted on those instincts and like in the context of that world is so different today. But I think it's the idea of this intangible energy that just like comes through us, whether it's through like an instinct and then we have to find a way to like bring it to form into this reality of modern day society, which is a huge challenge, especially when over the last many many years that humans have been on this planet there's been so much conditioning and conditioning and conditioning and conditioning to get to the society that we're at today and now we feel like we've lost that connection to the the primal aspects and now we're in this whole new paradigm yet acting from instincts that stem from a whole nother primal society in a modernized civilization and so i think that's where the friction comes when it comes to like how do you show up as a man? How do I show up as how do I bring my creative into art, spirituality, religion? All that is passing through everything that ever once was. Mm. And this is like for the first time I allowed me like realize or saying that and realizing. But I think that's what it feels like. And when you step into an unknown and you follow one of those primal urges, I think the, the door's Open up like of your perception, almost similar to like taking a psychedelic like LSD for the first time or uh, like just you are you're, you're just perceive a whole new way of reality. And that the way it is isn't the only way that it has to be. Mm.
0: The thing that came up when you were talking was that distinction that you made between the primal piece and um, like what so. So to speak. And the thing that came up for me was like, oh, it's almost this idea of where, what's the lens that you're living through? Is it the lens of story? Is it the lens of culture? Is it the lens of conditioning? Which ultimately is all a secondhand um, interpretation Of things that may or may not have happened versus are you acting through the lens of like what's just natural for you as a human and your own intuition and your own sense of connectedness with your, you know, primal energy or who you actually are. It's like I see the intuition piece as it's like a connection with something I don't know, connection with source, connection with universe, whatever you want to call it, versus the story piece of it, which is human made, it's man made, it's an interpretation, it's a mm-hmm. secondhand, you know, account of whatever happened, and how much expansiveness and space and presence and everything is possible if you more so come from intuition versus if you come from story
1: to follow is this a question
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe this is just me yeah just, putting it in my own words right but.
1: right right mm-hmm.
0: like there's the here's here's what i'll say it's said another way right so um you know we've talked about sapiens this book sapiens mm-hmm. it's a brief his, like, history of homo sapiens as a species mm-hmm. and there are certain aspects about humans as they evolved as animals mm-hmm. like the amount of sleep to get how we create interpersonal relationships and we can only do it with so many people, how emotions work, Mm -hmm. the type of nutrition, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Like Those are all pieces of a biological or natural perspective that makes sense to, I don't want to say this, Clayton, you're gonna to have to cut this part out. <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to say this. It's like, um, it's like when you're, it's like if you're growing up, do you listen to your own sense of intuition and your own internal voice and spirit, or do you listen to the culture that you grew up in, what people are telling you you should or should not be, the fears that you have. It's like there's this story-driven life, and then there's like this intuition and internal sense of self-driven mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And this, the internal self and intuition-driven piece, is one that's – there's no limit to it. It's right. not in a box. It's not contained. Yeah. It's, it's connected in a very deep sense to everything else that exists right now, yeah. whereas story is very limited. Yeah. It boxes yeah. you in, and it's man-made. It's, just, it's a, an interpretation. Yes. Of sense. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. I vibe with that. Yes. I totally vibe with that. And it's, yeah, I think that's, I want to operate from that expansive place the whole time. And, beca- and like, and play with these different stories that we have. I think that's a very fun space to play in. But you got to be aware that it's a box. You can walk in and out of it. If you're aware and you're, you're conscious of that box, you can play in that. But then there's all, that portion of the population that is unaware that they're in this box. And they think that this box is all that there is and they're too afraid or just too ignorant or whatever to just even consider the fact that there's anything outside of that box. When now I think it's cool that I think as generations evolve and we're becoming more aware of these boxes, we're getting a more a population that's growing, that's operating from that place of expansiveness and like can freely flow through all these boxes. And it's like, now, you know, we see a lot of just fluidity in genders in everything that we can do because there is no box. It's just a formless dance. Mm. Yeah. It's like once you realize that it's there, you then get to make up your own.
0: Yeah. And create something that more so serves you. Exactly. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, how do you intentionally get clear and conscious on the boxes that you live inside of
1: and work to shift or change them? I feel like doing a lot of things and trying new things and then determining whether that's something that you like or don't like. And I felt like, I think it's it's been brought up before, but it's easier to find out what you don't like than what you do like. And um, whenever I've been curious about something, I, I think I've always, I'd like to just try something once, twice, maybe three times and just like really fill it out and see if it's something, but I think you have to ex- experience life and I feel like I've done a pretty good job of not really holding myself back from experiencing life in the way that I please and learning from it because that's how I am learning about who I am and what I'm capable of and um, what I want to choose to do next time. It's like experimentation. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: I talk with a lot of people who feel like they're stuck or they're not sure as to their purpose you know, so to speak, or the direction that they want to head. And I think that we, a lot of times have this idea that it's just all of a sudden going to hit us. Like one day we'll just wake up and be like, oh, this is my purpose here. It's stated very clearly on this one shooter that I've created when in actuality, it's really a summation and collection of experiences that we've had that point to something larger but it takes like actually going out and trying things and following inclinations to get to the place where you're like, oh, this is actually the thing that I really like about this. Like, this is the thing that I really love. Um, and you know, the whole time, I think so much of learning comes from contrast, like putting yourself in a situation or with people who you haven't necessarily met before, might be uncomfortable. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much learning to be yeah. had inside of the the difference between yeah. where you are and the situation that
1: you're putting yourself yeah. in. Yeah, I think the universe. Will reward those who deserve it and put in the work like you can't just sit there and wait for the universe to give you something it will reward those who are i i see it more as like a, a act of preparation and through preparation i just by that i mean like try new things talking with these people like asking questions being curious exploring doing the thing that scares you because that will open you up to a whole new way of thinking and open it to a bunch of new possibilities that weren't there before. When you think
0: about the intentionally involving yourself in the scary things, like what's the next scary thing for you?
1: Hmm. Well, I, it might be something on my bucket list item. I want to bike from Canada to Mexico And that's this whole idea of like a pilgrimage journey that I've been wanting, that I've been kind of thinking about for a while of just being out on my own, trusting myself in this journey. And I think I've been there before doing that, backpacking Southeast Asia for six weeks by myself. That was very much that, holy shit, I'm in a whole new context of reality and I have to like navigate my way through it. And I think that is what this will be, is just kind of me versus nature in a sense of On a bike with minimal gear, just biking down the coast of America. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be... I don't know if I'm scared of that, though, to be honest. Mm. It's just now I have to, like, prepare for it and plan and, like, make it happen. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I'd be curious, too, like, inside of your business, like, what's the next level of your business that you've either maybe been afraid to step into or unwilling to step into?
1: Mm. I think, um, acting according to my values and purpose. And that's what that's going to require is saying no to people that don't align with that. Um, and I think that's going to be a scary thing because it all comes down to that. What holds me back from doing that is the scarcity mindset. If I say no to this person, then I won't have, Income coming or something like that and so I think it's gonna be that next level for me is as, as I declare wanting to work with more like wellness and well-being companies is that'll involve that'll require me to say no to anything else that comes through it'll require me to make big asks to companies and work with established like businesses and and be confident in what I have to offer and um, I think what I've been scared to involve myself with is not just be the expert in telling the story, but then also in how do we execute it and plan it and strategize it and like create a whole campaign around it. That's like scary for me, but I know I'm capable of doing it. I just don't have a proof of concept yet. So that declaring that that's something I'm capable of and I want to be accountable of, um, that'll be, I think the next, the big thing for me. Cool. So it sounds like, saying no setting expectations and taking full ownership of totally what you know you can provide. Yeah. Yeah. More ownership, more accountability. Love that. Totes.
0: Cool, man. Well, I want to close out the show in a very particular way. Like we usually do on this show. All right. So first and foremost, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Christian Altuve my name um my company is zero degree story we also have a website and instagram as well
0: awesome and i'll put all that info in the show notes as well so people can find you super easily cool second uh what is a piece of wisdom that you would like to share with us that will support people in elevating themselves the community and the world
1: uh, the my mantra that's been super that's served me and i hope will serve others is start before you're ready um Just you can't prepare enough for anything. And so you're always going to have that feeling of I'm not prepared enough. I'm not prepared enough. And that just means you have to start before you ever feel prepared. Because I don't think we'll ever, ever reach that point. And you will learn way more by starting something that you're not ready to start. um, Because mistakes will be made. And you will learn and grow and excel. Nice.
0: And lastly and most importantly. I'm nervous for this one. Christian, can I acknowledge you?
1: Yes, you can. Mm, Christian. Oh, shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Christian, uh, you are an enigma, man, in the best sense of the word. I, um, I really just want to acknowledge you for the intense and overt love that you bring everywhere with you, like, the love that you have for people, the love that you have for everyone in your family, the love that you have for your friends, um, the love for you, that you have for the people whose stories you're telling. Like, thanks for caring so much that you've created a business and a life where you get to support people and being more fully expressed and authentic. That's awesome. <laughs> and I think that's like really what people are looking for. So thanks for just being such an incredible force for good out in the world. Um, and also like there's like the heart piece of it and the commitment piece of it and like just being super duper brilliant in how you create generally. Um, but then there's the, like there's this also this just like really super silly um, funny side that you bring and like I, like when I'm working and then I'm just hearing noises being made <laughs> in the other room and I'm like what's <laughs> happening <laughs> right now but it's like there's just like this certain playfulness that you bring everywhere and it's super refreshing and I think it also lets people let their guards down because then they know that they can also play like when you're playing um, so thanks for just being such a loving human being. Um, thanks for being so, uh, fun and silly and joyful.
1: Thanks for just being a rad homie also. Wow. Thank you. Very I appreciate you. Are you acknowledged? I feel so acknowledged. And it's so funny you brought up the funny aspect cause I was like sitting here on this podcast. I'm like, I don't know sound funny are people gonna be even enjoying this or no because this guy's like not a funny guy so so that was just funny but i know i am goofy <laughs> yeah. i didn't invent new sounds which is <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. i think i do that more out of just i know that you're hearing it <laughs> <laughs> that's what amuses me <laughs> <laughs> you have an audience you have an audience is what it is <laughs> yeah uh, um, that's yeah, awesome yeah thanks for um Sharing this conversation with me and asking about me and like, thanks
0: for coming on. so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.